You're listening to the Office Free Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Spencer, and each week I'll be taking you behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who have escaped traditional offices and built digital empires based on their expertise. Welcome to another episode of the Office Free Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here with someone who is very special, a really good friend who actually has been worked with some other people on the show and is a great connection. I'm really glad to have her here today. Erin Files here from MindFix.com. And MindFix is a really neat company. And I'm I'm fascinated to hear how this how this story goes. I hope you'll you're willing to share this because you do some really amazing work. So I don't want to steal the uh, the mojo from you a little bit, so I'll, I'll always ask the starter question. It's one of the few like questions I have prepared in advance, uh, and I, I'd like to know from from you how how MindFix makes a dent in the world. Absolutely. Um, oh, I just I just get goosebumps when I think about it. Um, <laughs> I like to think we're making more than a dent. Um, we are eliminating the mental roadblocks and internal barriers for amazing human beings. So in a way Ooh. we get we get to we get to do the impossible, right? So people who are dealing with and saddled with the heaviness of fears and anxieties and being stuck and feeling hopeless. A lot of the things okay. that I experienced on my journey, we get to come in and say not only do you not have to learn tools to cope with this. Like what if we can just get rid of this and you can actually oh, wow. be free? And not have to deal with this for the rest of your life. So we get to we get to free people and and clear them from suffering and pain and um, fears and anxieties that slow them down, so that they can go back out and then have a massive ripple effect in the world and make a difference themselves. So we get to amplify the amazingness <clears throat> of already amazing human beings. That's so cool. So l- let me ask you do you do you consider this like similar to like I don't want to. I don't want to minimize it in any way. But like, would you consider it like therapy, like working with a therapist, or would you not look at it in those terms? I, I know there's regulatory issues, and sure. people can say certain things. I don't know how that works, but but is is that is that way someone listening to this could like understand it, or is it not really that? That is such a good question, and sometimes I I feel like we like in the English language, there's not an appropriate word for what we do the closest things is it's almost like a blend between it's not coaching because we don't show up and be even though we call ourselves coaches we don't show up and say this is what you need to do right like a coach like okay you're going to run your sprints you're going to eat healthy we're going to do these drills we don't there's nothing additive so we're not like coaches but we're also not like therapists because you know I, i went to therapy since i was a kid and in therapy you just sit and you talk and what you do typically and I can't say for all therapies, but in a lot of therapies, they give you tools and strategies to help you cope with your challenges, to help you cope okay. with your anxiety and cope with your procrastination. You know, here, you're going to breathe. You're going to count to 10. You're going to journal in your notebook and make sure that you know that you're not making a mountain out of a molehill. What we do is we don't provide tools and strategies to help you cope. We literally pull the problem out at the root level. like. You get rid of the seed oh. and, and no weed can grow. So the closest thing that our clients have said is like, you're not like a coach. You're not a therapist. You're more like like a, a mind surgeon. Like you pull out the splinters instead of giving me more Band-Aids or giving me you know antibiotics to rub on top of it or to numb it. You pull things out and then the problem is gone. So that's kind wow. of the best way I've I've been told to that uh, that makes sense to our clients and in, in how we describe it. That's that it, it, this is this is going to be fun cuz that's that's so beyond fascinating cuz cuz it it, it kind of goes one of my core well it it's it's funny because one of my core values really is root cause analysis, right? Like if you know, I don't like I I get really bored when I see people, you know, um, whether it's self-medicating through it with yes. substances or, or whether it's like endless binging of TV or, you know, like I'm, I had a, I, I did a coaching session with a guy who I've been friends with for a long time and we were talking about 
entrepreneurial flow. And one of the things he told me and he explained because he had 10 years ago had a but he was an alcoholic like 15 years ago and he went through AA like 10, 12 years ago, long time ago. But what he said is that a lot of people who've never gone through that type of thing don't realize that they think it's about the alcohol and they, they, they fixate their life on the substance rather than what causes one to do it. And the way he explained it, and he's like, he's like, I didn't know this my whole life until I went into AA and, and long story short, you know, cause I don't want to take us off too far on a tangent. But it, well, the way he explained this to me was really fascinating because he's like, we got they helped me fix the things that I used alcohol to get away from. Yes. And he's like, that's just the thing. And he's like, but one thing you don't realize is like people who are workaholics, people who are yes. binge TV watchers, adult entertainment, any of those things are the exact same thing. Yes. It's just one person has this poison, another person has this drug or this thing, or they're codependent with somebody. And I just was it blew me away because I had never heard of that like analogy. And he's like, yeah, I didn't either until, you know, AA kind of helped me realize like I needed to get underneath that. So I'm really excited to take this. Um, it's going to be a fun conversation. I, I'm sure, um, you know, Jordan, Jordan has spoken highly of you countless times over the last, whatever year, year and a half um, and everything. And Jordan was on the show as well. So this is going to be fun. So, you know, with that said, you know, obviously you have an interesting work and you make a big difference in the world. Now, one thing I've discovered, uh, you know, ob observationally, if you will, is that people who do cool work like this that really makes a difference usually started from a really interesting spot. It's never a generic story, it seems <laughs> like. So I, 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 I'm curious, you know, <clears throat> when you were a kid, yeah. did you like, did you want to become you know, something like this, I, I, you know, like coach, you know, helping people like, like, did you see yourself in that kind of a business as a kid? Or did you not even think about being an entrepreneur? Like, you know, as a child or a teenager or into high school? Like, what was that like for you? <laughs> I actually just this week did a Facebook post. I took a picture of um, I found an old Dr. Seuss book that I had. Um, that was yeah. one of those like I had fill in the blanks from when I was a little kid. And one of them was what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was a full two page spread and it had like a list of every possible vocation. And it said, when I grow up, I want to be, and I obviously had just learned how to write. My letters were all scribbly and I had written down mailman. So my aspirations when I was four or five <laughs> or whatever is I wanted to be a mailman. And then I came along and that was crossed out. So I had scribbled that out. And obviously at another point, apparently after I matured, I scribbled that out and over the top of that, I wrote mother. So when I grew up, I went to be Ooh. a mother and I changed my mind okay. very much uh, about both of those <laughs> as I aged again. <laughs> but, but long story short is no, um, I, I absolutely had no clue that I would be doing this whatsoever. I mean, you rewind um, 10 years. I was running uh, a web agency. You know, I ran a web agency for 17 years. And if you rewinded before that, I didn't even know I'd run my own business. Like I, I thought I'd just find a great job somewhere. And that's kind of what I was supposed to be doing. I'm definitely not one of those people that had those entrepreneurial aspirations and was, you know, you know, dealing candy behind the, you know, the middle school uh, after hours. <laughs> I, I just didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit at all. Um, it was something that I fell into. So, so when you fell into that, like, you know, you said, you said a web, like a web agency. So like you built websites and stuff like that. Is that fair to say, or did you guys do other things or a little bit of everything? Yeah. So I, I ended up getting a master's degree in digital media. And so I started off, I, I graduated and I was like, well, now that I have a master's degree, everybody's going to want to hire me. And I went, I went <laughs> you know, moved to, yeah, we all know how that goes. <laughs> moved to uh, the town that I wanted to live in. And, you know, there were three, three little web companies and I promptly went to all three thinking like, okay, there's going to be a bidding war. Look out <laughs> because I got this <laughs> shiny master's degree, you know, as, as I wasn't too smart. And, uh, despite the degree and, uh, much to my shock, none of the three companies, uh, was they 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 just weren't falling all over themselves to hire me, and it blew me away. And I was like, my goodness, I don't understand this. Well, I guess if I if they're not going to uh, hire me, I'm going to have to take them down. So I started my own uh, <laughs> business, just more out of necessity, kind of like I guess I'm going to do my own thing. So it was just me, and then I ended up building that over the next 15, 17 years into a, a nationally ranked uh, WordPress consulting agency. 
And um, wow. And so I did that because nobody would hire me, not because I had that spirit, <laughs> but just more of a, well, I guess I got to do this. Well, that's such a, see, that's such an, inter, you know, an interesting story because that's, that's not an uncommon thing. And like, either it's, it's like that where nobody will hire you or like, you know, like in my case, I graduated with a finance degree in 08, uh, when everything was gone, like hell in a handbasket and the three previous graduating classes were all laid off, you know, yeah. when Merrill Lynch went under and all these yeah. guys. And it's just, it's, it's interesting how many people had kind of like a, oh shit moment, uh, if you will, uh, where they had to, to make those changes. So it's interesting. Now, now I, I have to ask this question because the work you do is very different than WordPress consulting. So just a little, just a little bit, a little bit. So, so I'm curious, like, what was that transition like? Because I mean, obviously, you, you know, probably a lot of your clients do have WordPress sites, but like, that's about the closest to a similarity as you're going to get. So, so what made you say, well, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of my 17 year agency and uh, I'm going to go into helping people rip out the root cause of a lot of their problems, anxieties and stresses and procrastination and absolutely make a super dent in the world. So like, that's a huge leap there. And I'm not sure if it happened all at once or if it was over time. So tell me about that. Sure. There's no way I could have ever, ever planned it out. Um, I started to get antsy maybe around like year 13. 12, 13, 14 in the agency. And I was like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. The in, like when I started, it was, it was all about creativity and it was fun. And, you know, you'd make a website and you'd change a business's life because suddenly they're crushing all their competitors, and, you know, fast forward and suddenly websites and agencies are commodities and everybody, you know, in India is building a website for a 10th of the hourly rate and everybody coming out of uh, college and middle school can build a website. And, the whole industry got commoditized and complicated and suddenly you don't just build a website. You need to build a website and there needs to be a social strategy and then there needs to be content strategy and you have to have it work, you know, mobile first. And it's got to be responsive. And then you have to also have, it's just, it became so complicated and saturated and commoditized. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm burnt out and I'm not passionate. And even if we do like a, a six figure project and manage 80 people, and blow it out of the water, we might get it. Hey, thanks. Here's your check. You know, at the end of it, like it just wasn't fulfilling anymore. And so I knew that I wanted to do something different, but I kind of ran, ran into this angst that a lot of people have um, when they go through the same thing where it's like, but I don't know what else I can do. Like, this is all I've ever known. Right. This is all I've ever done. This is the only air quotes job I've ever had is running this business. I only know websites. What the hell else right. could I possibly do in the world? And it was, it was very stressful uh, because then I continued to run the agency, but I was losing my passion and increasing the stress of what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? Do I go back to school? I don't know. So I started reading all these books, you know, how to find your passion, your purpose. I did strategic coach. I studied the concept of sustainability. I interviewed my friends. What are my strengths? And I tried all of these different, very procedural, masculine ways of attempting to figure out what's next for me. And none of them okay. really worked. I came up, you know, a lot of people were like, gave me these interesting characteristics. And what kept popping up is, you know, maybe you should be like a life coach, you know, like a life coach, a life coach, life coach. And it was just like, oh, that word just had such a bad connotation for me because I know so many people, yeah. you know, you know, go study, you know, take this online course for for three weeks and then you're a life coach and you can sit and give yeah. advice on, on how to do better, you know, and make them. Or, or my favorite, or my, my favorite is when they're like 22 and you know, they just graduated college yeah. and I'm like, well, I'm like life coach. You haven't even lived. I mean, yeah. I'm 35 and I don't even feel like I'm just, I, I don't even feel like I'm out of the dugout to start the game yet. Like totally. I feel so like young in my spirit. So it's like, how the hell are you going to have like life coach perspective at yes. 20? Good yes. grief. Maybe, maybe that's a modern phenomenon, but I like, I cringe whenever I hear life coach. And I, I don't mean to diss anybody who's a life coach by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that word, just it, it's got like a negative anchor to me, like hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And I think, you know, as people who spend time, a lot of time on, on Facebook and in that, that world, you see a lot of people who it's like, it, 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 a lot of people who are just life coaches and just it, they took a course 
And so yeah. it's it, it does have that kind of, and I know someone right now, she runs an insanely successful Facebook agency and she's trying to transition and she's looking at kind of doing this similar path as me where she's finding these certain type of like coaching instincts and consulting instincts and more in the like the human direction but she's having resistance because she's like, I don't want to be a life coach. I don't want to be a life coach. And it's, it's so it's the, that, that taste around life coaching is, is, is real. So what I obviously didn't know what I was going to do. Um, even as I was getting this feedback, I did look into like, well, a life coach, um, a woman who was offering a course and she rejected me. It was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Cause I kept pestering her. Like, I really want to be one of your students. She just flat out rejected me. I'll never know why, but I am so grateful that she did. And what ended up happening was uh, probably three and a half years of misery. And that's what helped me develop MindFix today. I was training for a mountain bike stage race. I stepped off my bike. I didn't tweak my ankle. I didn't twist my ankle, but I had a little electric shock. You know, on a scale of one to 10, it was maybe a two that lasted for half a second. And I thought, huh. That was weird. I don't have a good feeling about that. That was weird. And by the next day, it turned into pain. And within a week, it turned into a lot of pain. Within By the end of the month, it had spread through my body. And oh, my God. It went wow. from, so I went from being this healthy, you know, 30-something-year-old to suddenly I couldn't train for this race that I had been focused on for a year, trying to get it, you know, this oh really gosh. difficult race. Um, and then what was going on is I went from chiropractor to massage therapist to acupuncturist. And then nobody could help. So then I started to go see surgeons and, you know, orthopedic surgeons and, and different types of doctors. And it just kept escalating until one day I was sitting in the office of a brain surgeon because nobody could figure out why I'm having this pain. I had x-rays, I had MRIs, I had nerve conduction studies. I had people tell me I shouldn't be walking. I shouldn't be biking anymore. I had people. Tell was it me constant pain? Like, was it constant pain all the time? No, the crazy thing is it was just enough to keep me from being able to be active. So I couldn't do my snowboarding. I couldn't do my biking. I couldn't get my stress relief in. I couldn't do what brought me joy. And so it wasn't, so on top of it not being excruciating, it kept me from doing what I loved. But then I also felt guilty because I knew there were people who were living in extreme pain. And I was sitting here going, this is an extreme. I can still walk around without pain. So it's not really like chronic pain. I just can't, I can't play. And so I also felt guilty yeah. about, you know, my pain not being as bad when I would say I have chronic pain. It, real, it really wasn't excruciating. It was probably a level three or four. And isn't that funny how like when you actually really care about people and you like them, that like that, that, that type of guilt that like – it's almost like a survivor's type of guilt where it's like I, I feel bad that my life doesn't suck as bad as these other people and like I should just shut up and – take it and like deal with it or, or whatever, like that kind of an attitude, which I don't know. I'm sure you work with people who have that, yeah. that issue, but I noticed that as that's really a common thing and people won't overtly say it, but like I can, I can smell it on somebody when they're in that kind of mode, right. Where they feel guilty about like, Oh, my life is really good. And I feel bad about it. I'm like, why? Like you make yeah. good choices, like good things happen to good people most of the time, you know, anyways, I didn't mean to take you off, but I just, I, I, Man, like I, I can, I can really feel that because I know I've, I've definitely had that issue at times, not with physical pain, but like uh, emotional things or, sure. or mental things. You know, when I'm worried about something that's really stupid in the big scheme of things, but to me, it's I've made a mountain out of a molehill, as my grandfather used to say. Totally. So, anyways, totally. yeah. Um, so back to the story. Basically, um, I lived Groundhog's Day for like over two years and just got increasingly depressed increasing like just to the point of suicide because no every doctor i went i was going to doctors four or five days a week and i'd sit in their office oh, I'd, wait wow. an hour, I'd get pulled in they'd tell me test results say nothing i'm really sorry go find someone else so my entire life was waiting to go to the next doctor you know the next doctor the next doctor the next doctor maybe he'll be able to help me and then just being told every day sorry don't know what's wrong with you go see someone else um, oh wow! All these expensive treatments, all these expensive drugs, all these expensive everything's, and nothing never made a dent. So I just was like, uh, you know, imagine you know, after weeks and weeks, and then months and months, and after years, it just you're just sitting there going like, what's the point? Like I don't want to live this life. That's what I was saying. Right. It was devastating. So uh, I ended up going to see some therapists and some 
coaches to try and then deal with the mental pain in addition to the physical pain because it was I was really struggling and there was one woman at one one day who who kind of hit on something that really had me perk my ears up I was like wait wait say that again and she said you're miserable because of how your mental lens and how you're experiencing and seeing life it's not the pain that's making you miserable it's you feel like a piece of shit because you attribute your worth to how much you make. You attribute your worth to working hard. You attribute your value to how much you achieve. You think that because, you know, mm. if you're not working, you're lazy. Your sense of self is being crushed every day and you think you're absolutely worthless. And that's what's making you miserable is you're not achieving. You're not being better than everybody else. You're not building a business. And you have tied your sense of self and value and worth to being able to be better than everybody else. Like, just like you did when you were in kindergarten or first grade, you know, in, in elementary school, that was kind of your identity. And your sense of, if I'm not working, I'm lazy. And that you're just not good enough. All of these things is creating this lens through which you're experiencing that your daily life. And that's what's wow. making you miserable. And so that really struck me. And that was way different than a lot of other what a lot of the other coaches and therapists were, you know, sitting there, just tell me how you feel over and over. And so what happened is um, I asked her, so, well, I really do believe that like my value is dependent on, you know, how much I make or how hard I work. So I, I intellectually understand that that's not the case. I've read all the books. I've been doing work for 20, 30 years. How do I change that? And she just looked at me and she's like, well, Come in three times a week instead of once a week. And, and let's look at this over the next few years. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. That doesn't sound like an answer to me. And so that was the day when I realized if I can figure out how to change what I believe, if I can change this lens through which I see the same world that everybody else is seeing, and I can change my internal experience, then I'm going to be able to change the thoughts that are showing up in my head. I'm going to be able to change the feelings that I'm experiencing every day. And that'll ultimately allow me to change my actions. I don't know if it will help me with the pain, but it'll at least reduce my suffering. And I won't want to, you know, end my life anymore because I can't handle this. And so that right. was what set me out on this journey was how can I feel better? How can I change what I believe to be true? How can I change my belief structure and my mental lens? Because I have to, it's a necessity. I, I, I'm not going to make it if I don't. And so I Absolutely. kind of, put all of my energy into that. And that's what took me on the journey into exploring the world of um, changing uh, beliefs and lenses and things at the root level, identifying what actually is causing pain and suffering and negative thoughts and negative feelings, and then being able to pull those out. So I studied under a ton of different people. I, I put together various modalities into a program where the, um, the combination actually is exponentially more powerful than any one of them by themselves and kind of came across this magic formula really that I started to heal myself. And then as other people saw that, they're like, Hey, can you do that on me? I was like, sure. And so I'd work with them. And then suddenly some of my web agency clients were like, Hey, I heard about this. Can I know that I know you're our web agency, but can you do this for me on the side? And then suddenly I was like, maybe I'll take on a, some beta clients. And the first two beta clients uh, I took on just crushed it, got rid of their lifelong problems in, in five weeks instead of the 10 that I estimated it would take. And, um, and so then I, not only was I enjoying it, I was so fulfilled and I was getting, you know, gratitude from people going, you changed my life. You changed my, I'm not suffering anymore. And I'd be in tears of just elation every day because it was so amazing. Um, and that's when I knew I, I was onto something different and I kind of found my purpose for, for being. So I, I, I love this. I mean, this is just, this is mind blowing to me because I mean, like obviously lenses are so important. So I, I guess like my first question on this is like, did you actually discover what had caused the pain? Was it, did it end up being something like, I don't want to say psychosomatic or whatever, but like, was it something that it had to do? Like once you changed the lens that the pain went away or did you end up discovering something else? Like what, how, cause obviously the pain was the catalyst. But obviously, you know, you shared like a ton of really good stuff, which I mean, it just blows my mind how, I mean, cause I, I know in my life, you know, almost all my big changes have come from a lens shift of some kind, right? Whether it's experiential or an idea, I read something, you know, whatever. Um, and I look at where I grew up and I'm just like, I don't remember that person. Like I remember the joy that I had as a kid, but 
my worldview is just so different than when I was a child. So, um, what did that, what did that pain end up being, um, that obviously like you got rid of the, you changed the lens on the perspective of it, but like, did you ever find out what it was? Nope. Never. Like there was never any test that was ever said there was anything wrong. There was never any results that, or, or write up or a report or conclusion about what was actually happening in my body. Wow. And so I never actually knew what was going on. I just knew that as I did this work and how I felt about myself, how I felt about being in the world, uh, changed the pain slowly started to disappear. And now that's amazing. And I, I still, to this day, can't say this is exactly what happened in X equals Y plus Z. Like, I, I don't know. That's so, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it really is. I mean, cause I, I, I'm a, you know, the older I get, the more I, I believe there's a lot more to like our mindset, um, and pain, like then, then, you know, like the typical pharmaceutical route there, people want to just medicate you to on pills for the rest of your life. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not like, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think like they don't know enough about how the body really works, uh, and all the systems and how they integrate. So I, I find that's, I read a lot about that stuff because I just think it's interesting as hell, like how these integrative systems can, you know, you change one thing and then it like, it's like the first domino that knocks down like 10 other dominoes, which fascinates me beyond. Well, have uh, you belief. read the book? Have you read the book Lost Connections? I have not. That I'm going to write that down. needs to be read by anybody dealing with anxiety or depression. Like it should be mandatory reading before anybody takes another pill, signs up with another coach, um, does anything. Who's the else. author? Uh, Johan, I don't know. What's the connection? Johan Hari. That is um, just absolutely mandatory required reading for anyone dealing with with anything like that. No, I, I love it. I think that's I think that's incredible. So, um, so you've got this business because I mean this this is fascinating. I mean, like your work is very different. I don't really know anyone doing anything. Um, I know people who are inspired to the level that you are, but not in this anywhere near the same field. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to me. So like, you know, you've got this business going and what, I I mean, like, you know, I I'm curious to see how like you transitioned in the pandemic and all that with everything being online. Cause most of your business, is it fair to say it's like group events and that sort of thing, like with a coaching environment, like in person, or do you have a lot of stuff that is, um, already like kind of in a digital format where like it wasn't hard to transition during the pandemic. Like what was that like for you last year um, with changing things up? Cause a lot of our listeners are people who have some sort of medical background or they're in professional services where, you know, they were quote unquote told they're a non-essential business and all that, you know, BS. Um, I don't know way, way that was around the world, but I know here there was a lot of businesses that were forced to shut down through no fault of their own um, for a while. And I think that's a big, I mean, in my opinion, a big issue, uh, ethically just to tell somebody, Hey, your business is less important than this other guy's business. I think that's kind of bogus in my opinion. But, um, that said, like, what was that like for you transitioning, uh, in that environment, uh, to where you are now? Cause I know you're, you got an event coming up and, and other things going on. So, um, sounds like things are thriving, but, um, what was that like? You mean to, to go through COVID with, with MindFix? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, cause obviously that's a, that's a transition point. I mean, and I mean, you've gone through a lot of pivots and things in the past, right? So, I mean, I think it's, it's in a way it's almost ironic because like the work that you do, as far as I understand it makes transitions and changes and takes away a lot of the sting that a lot of people, cause we all have stories about change, right? And, you know, a lot of people procrastinate because they know they need to do something, but they don't do it, you know, and they have things in the way that make it harder for them to just go for it. Right. I know, I'm more of a go for it kind of person myself, but even I get into that rut sometimes where I'll, I don't want to say dilly dally, but you know, I won't prioritize myself and my own things that I know I need to do. So obviously last year, a lot of people didn't have a choice, um, which I find fascinating specifically for your business because you help people deal with that kind of stuff. (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's an erotic like showcase of your work, you know? No, it was actually, it was extremely difficult for us. As when COVID hit, our entire like one hundred percent of our pipeline died, dried up, because we're wow. we're not a people did not know if the world was going to explode, and we are a high ticket one on one program. 
that right. as much as we change lives and people's lives are forever changed when they work with us, people walk away going, you know, this issue I've been dealing with for 20 years is totally gone. My life is better. At the same time, if you aren't sure if the world's going to explode, you don't, you're not going to pay, you know, $10,000, $20,000 to change your life because you don't know if there's going to be food a month from now. So our entire pipeline completely dried up. And we were looking at like zero. And then on top of that, several of the, many of the clients who were in our plan also just bailed without taking out like that. So it was a huge, huge hit. Um, Right. The the work that we do and have been doing historically to group work that can be done. We're not Tony Robbins. As I said earlier, we're not coaching, so we're not. We really right. that one. We find out what your particular and then figure it out. So we there was no pivoting. It was more like a waiting restructure. Got some more team members. We did some realize the world's not ending, and then we started through COVID. You know, it, it, it's it's fascinating. Like like you know, based on the work that you do, like you know, what was what were some of the big takeaways? You know, of that experience because obviously, I'm sure that wasn't easy for you having you know watching your business dry up all of a sudden through no fault of your own. Like what did you gain from that as a professional? Cause I'm sure that made you better at what you, what you do. Like, I mean, you, you can't go, th- I, I just don't think people can go through something that extreme and not have that much more empathy for people going through, you know, something that they perceive to be difficult in an extreme way, which maybe you don't perceive it as difficult, but you're not in their head. Like they are, it is difficult for them. So like, what was that like for you, uh, like growing as a professional, uh, kind of conquering that and that, I mean, cause that's a pretty big adversity when your business dries up. I mean, that's, that's not something most people have ever experienced something that, that big. So how did that make you better at what you do and able to make more of a difference in the world? <laughs> well, it's interesting because it was the second, the first time was the housing bubble. Right. Um, I was running my agency and I had every year for the past six months prior bump up 10%, 10%, a year. And just kind of like this naive when I graduated graduate school to hire me, you know, as I went through my 20s to the early 2000s, it was like, well, and so when the housing bump right. first, we dropped. Time ever. It was it was it was catastrophic, really traumatic, especially because of the stuff in my that I've looked into. A father with his business. I have a the Holocaust. There's this, a lot of loss. Oh wow! And so when heard it was very very nine. So if we start the last year, it would be so easy to sit here and oh yeah, you know, I'm just so easy. Just weathered it stronger. But I can as a, a fully vulnerable parent, it was insanely it was terrifying. I was in the same boat as everyone else going, I don't know if the world is coming back. Um, all I see is the story saying worse. I don't know if everything's shut down or what's happening. It was complete of trying to just allow and be every day, but by right. stretch, easy. Like it was, it was quite terrifying. And I actually did another a post a few weeks ago, just saying that there was a point last year when I was like, I'm, I'm going to have. This, I finally found what I'm meant to be doing in the world, and I can't keep going. 
but there's just everything. Is massive. And so right. I've literally wrestled with that several And it was difficult. So I'd, I'd say I made it through and tougher. Boxes were better. But that is actually I have a, another difficulty that I was able to weather. But I can't, I don't feel like I have some amazing lesson or rainbow that came out of it. It's like, no, that was just fucking tough. That was really right. So let me, let me ask you something. That's, I mean, that's a great, that's a great question because there leads me to a great question that I think, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated about your perspective on this based on like your professional opinion, because you deal with a lot of stuff that people have some really hard, painful things that they've experienced that have really held them back, you know? And I mean, we all have, we've all had that type of stuff to one degree or another. Luckily I've not had some of the more intense ones, but <clears throat> you know, going through that and realizing that that's, that's tough for people. How would somebody who, who like, you know, you, I mean, if that was tough for you and I mean, and this is, let me set the stage for why I'm asking this question. You know, you have this work, you have this set of tools that, that can help people and make a difference. Right. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, based on, you know, some of the things Jordan has told me, and you've also shared with me that you, you're, you're all in. I mean, and I, I love that about you. I think it's amazing, like how all in you are on this. Like this is, I know this is your, your, your destiny, if you will. I don't have a better word for it than that. Um, uh, but, but with, um, with going through this stuff and other people who, who, you know, let's just say they got through like they, you know, like, like my business changed a lot and it's actually like really taught me a lot about myself the last year. So I would say like, like COVID, helped me thrive in a lot of ways um, and, and decompressed a lot of things, you know, that I thought I wanted and, and realized they were just figments of my imagination. But, but for someone who just got through, how, how would they approach, you know, turning this into an asset? And I don't know if this is the right way to look at this, but like, I think a lot of people, it's like they feel like they've got a life sentence with the thing, you know? So like people who've dealt with something for 20 years are like you, you know, feeling miserable because you couldn't get a solution. Like it almost feels like it's a life sentence, like it's a yes. curse or something like in those types of words. How would someone even understand the concept that they don't? Because I mean, when you're in the hole yeah. and, and and everyone's it's everyone's different, but I think this is one of the few universal things about the human mind is that when the when someone feels like they're in the hole, it's it's really hard to even conceptualize getting at, that there's nothing but the hole, right? Yeah. And and it's like an it's a, it's a weird type of mental isolation that you could feel isolated despite having people around you cheering you up and all this other stuff. So how would someone even start to approach and say, you know, Aaron, like I need some help. Like yeah. this freaking sucks. And and I mean, I don't but I, but like it sucks, but I'm so comfortable in this really shitty situation. And I don't know how you see this, but like, I notice a lot of people, they, they, um, you know, what, I don't know why this is. It's just an observation of human nature, I guess. But I notice there's a lot of people who are comfortable more in shitty situations because they're so used to it that they don't think that, Oh, I'd rather be uncomfortable, but you know, meet new people who treat me well. And you see this a lot in like romantic relationships where yes. people keep going through the same kind of yes. cruddy humans, you know? So how does someone approach you know, this situation say, damn it. Like I want something better. There has to be a better fucking way than this bullshit that I'm feeling. And I don't know what it is, but I just know this isn't it for me. You know, how does someone come to that situation and how could you kind of like, maybe like jumpstart their car so that maybe they come to talk to you or just realize it's possible yeah. to have a better life at some point. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that it's so easy to fall into the, especially for entrepreneurs, People who try a lot of things. You try this, you try that, you've read this book, you're running your business and you're kind of half working with this other coach in the background who's promising to change your life and that doesn't work. And then you go to a landmark seminar and you get super pumped up or you go to a Tony Robbins event, you're just like amped on life for two weeks. And then everything kind of reverts and crashes back. And mm -hmm. so many of the people that come doesn't work for me. I've been this way for 20 years. 
I know you have a money back guarantee. I know you have a risk trial, but I don't understand how it's even possible. Like explain to me how it's possible that you're going to help me change nothing when I've been doing this mm -hmm. trying to change. And the thing to understand here is that you can have been, you know, air quotes, trying to change for 20 years, but if you are using the wrong method and you're doing it in the wrong order, it doesn't matter if you do it for a hundred years, it's still not going to work. When you right. do things the proper way, and which I'll explain in a moment, you can change in a matter of weeks, even when nothing. Wow. It's almost like someone who's trying to get healthy and they're like, but I'm eating like all fruits and vegetables. I'm eating all fruits and vegetables and I've been doing it for like 20 years. And it's like, you find out that you're allergic to nightshade. Like you're, you've been doing something that's harmful. Like you're, you're adding something that isn't healthy. And that's right. actually going on. And here's, here's the thing. Most of the ways that people try to change when they're like, I'm ready to change. I'm sick of this anxiety. I'm sick of this fear. I'm sick of being stuck. They try to change through means that are additive. They try okay. to learn a new tool. You know, I even heard you kind of use the words earlier. Like you guys at MindFix have a lot of tools. We don't. So we don't provide mm. tools. We don't provide strategies. We're not providing tactics. Those are band-aids to help people cope with their challenges. Oh, you're having anxiety? We're going to have you meditate and have you breathe through it. And you're going to cope with the anxiety and that impending sense of doom that you wake up with every morning. Oh, you're feeling wow. fear when you deal with money? Count to 10, count backwards. Think about all your successes. That's helping you cope with your fear. Like everything is coping. Not I, I, I take it back. That's a really poor use. I don't like, I hate it when people go use everything or always Typically, a lot of these strategies that people are trying to change with are attitude. They're, they're ways okay. to the challenge. So what, what, what I share with people for sometimes the first time in their lives is what happens if instead of giving you sharper scissors to cut down the weed, or instead of telling you to cut the weed lower, we go in and we find that seed and we pull it out of the ground and we put it in the garbage can. And the, the seed is completely gone so that the weed can't mm. keep growing. Because you've been cutting down the weed over and over and over and over and over. And you're like, it's better. And then the weed grows back. It's better. And the weed grows back because you're just coping with the challenge. When you, right. when you subtract the root cause of why you're stuck and you figure out the root reason why you're experiencing the stuckness and the challenge and that goes away, your problem doesn't come back. And that's how change can happen rapidly, even when you've been working at it and cutting down weeds for 20 years. It's so interesting you say that, like that whole additive additive point of view, because I, I, I even recognize like in my life, that was something that I was big into my 20s. I would say until I was 30, I was like, oh, if I just do, if I just get X, if I just learn Y, if I just meet Z person, um, so on and so on. And it was over. I mean, it didn't, it took me, I mean, I still accomplished all the stuff and it, it was really a weird transition period because I got all the things that I thought I wanted. Cause I just didn't know as much at, you know, 20 as I did at 30, obviously. But yeah. like in that 10 years, I was just like, okay, great. Like, you know, I had, you know, it was until I think 2015 when I had my first year where I didn't have a sequential increase, like you were saying, you know, before the housing bubble with your agency and, and I, I remember I was just like, oh, I'll just learn this new thing. I'll add this new tool to my tool belt and I'll just get more useful and more valuable to the world. And then it finally hit me that I'm like, it never fails that anytime I add something, I'm still okay. shortly, it's kind of like the new car syndrome. You buy a new car, you have fun with it for two weeks and then you get used to it again. Right. And then you, it's that, what do they call that? The hedonistic treadmill, I think they call that, yeah. you know? And, and so, you know, going into that thing, like. I guess the the question that I have, you know, and I, I'm not, you know, asking you to ch share, you know, too much of your work because I understand that you've worked hard to get where you're at. But like, how does someone even make that transition to understand that this is a subtractive, not an additive thing? Because I mean, that's a huge paradigm shift. Just that right there is like, holy shit, your life will never look the same. It once you get that. I mean, I know I've got that. I'm sure not even. Uh, even close to how much I could get that in various aspects of my life. But I know the little that I have done, it's always been the most effective thing to like, say, what do I need to cut away? What, what bullshit 
activities am I doing that is like not getting me where I want to go? Like it's like cut away rather than like that whole workaholism that you see in Western culture. That's so common where it's like, Oh, if I just work harder, if I just go make more sales calls, I'll, I'll make all the money I need. And then you end up working 12 hours a day, hating your life. (laughs) And the thing is, it's not just subtracting anything. It really is like if you have a pain in your body and you're like, it hurts here. We go in and it's like, Oh, we found the splinter under the skin. Let's pull the splinter out. And then right. pain goes away and things heal up and there's nothing to do. There's nothing to practice. There's nothing to work at. There's no bandage that mm. you have to keep putting on over and over and over or meditation to make the pain feel like it's less when it's still there. Let's pull the splinter out. It's very specific subtraction of the actual reason why you're experiencing pain and frustration. I, I, I find it fascinating. So I guess here I, I have some questions just cause I, I, I think this, this perspective would be illustrated well with some examples when you're working with a typical entrepreneur and like, you know, you are this person, right? You got a master's degree. You've, you built a successful agency. I mean, you are archetypically at least a very similar to a lot of the people listening to this, this podcast over time. And one thing I'm curious is taking this to like business strategy and perspective, like how, how could someone take what you're sharing here and just start to look at their business differently. Like, how would you approach yes. that that type of a question? Because I think it's fascinating. Because nobody I know, really, very very few people have a reductionist point of view of the world, where they they break things down to first principles and like attack the root cause. It's a very uncommon uh, archetypal right. idea. I mean, I, you're you're one of maybe I think two or three people I've interviewed on the show who didn't. Who, who just had that. I think it's, it's, it's beyond me, actually. I think it's, it's really interesting. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So what I like to, uh, one of my favorite quotes in it, I say it's a favorite quote and I can't even remember what the exact quote is, but the, <laughs> the concept is basically that we don't have uh, people problems or, or we don't have business problems. We have people problems, right? Inside of businesses. And so right. what if, if we, let's, let's take someone who's listening and they're saying, I'm really struggling with some issues in my business. I am procrastinating. I'm not, you know, my business coach and my marketing consultant are all telling me I need to do X and Y and Z in order to be successful and to take my business to the next level, but I'm not getting it done. So the challenge that a lot of people have is when they find themselves failing at doing what they know they need to do over and Mm -hmm. over and over, they start to label themselves. I'm just a procrastinator. I'm just a bad business person. I'm just Mm. lazy, you know, I'm just a piece of shit. I'm not, or I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not good at this kind of stuff. And that can be really dangerous is there's this label because then how are you going to, how are you going to get help for being lazy? How are you going to help being, you know, be, get help for being a procrastinator? It becomes this nebulous challenge that can't be resolved. So the first thing that people can do is when they're experiencing areas of stickiness or friction or resistance in their business and with themselves, instead of labeling themselves as a type of person or having, you know, this type of problem, the step number one is to get clarity on what's actually going on. What is the pattern? You're either having a pattern of thought, a pattern of emotion, or a pattern of behavior that is counterproductive and not serving you. So someone Mm. might go, I'm just so lazy. I'm just a procrastinator. But after a 10 minute conversation, we might extract and discover this is a a normal human being who just has a pattern that when it comes to writing contracts and doing detailed administrative work, he uh, chooses to go on social media to distract himself. So suddenly we have Mm. a very explicit, a trigger. We have a specific action. We have a pattern that we can then work on to change. And it's not this person is broken. It's not this person's just a lazy POS. It's that they're experiencing, when they get triggered by a certain type of work, they engage in a certain type of behavior. We can work on that and we can clear wow. out a pattern. And so suddenly people just with that realization, it, that's a shift in thinking. That's an empowering way of thinking that instead of being unbroken, I get to work on a pattern. So, or every time a, a client calls in, challenges me or is frustrated with our services, I freeze. I experience total panic and dread in my body and I feel unsafe, right? So, okay, we got a trigger. Mm. An unhappy client makes you have a pattern of 
feeling and emotion a certain way. Got it. We can work on that. That's not someone who has anxiety. That's someone who experiences a certain pattern. So step number one is I invite people out there when they're feeling really stuck. Oftentimes it's because they're so generalized. I'm just depressed. I'm just anxious. I'm just bad. No, let's get clear on what your actual pattern is because then that takes it out of you and into the external world. And that's something we can tackle and clear and get rid of. That's not you. It's wow. just a pattern you're, you're, you're facing. It's almost like, it's almost like they've got a piece of like broken code. Like, like yes. I joke about, I, I, I joke about this a lot, but I tell people like, I'm always upgrading Brad OS. Yes, right? totally. and, 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 and for whatever reason, that metaphor just makes sense to me. Cause like what you say about the administrative stuff is me. Like I, I, I'm like minimal thing like fewer moving parts. So let me like create a very simple system that can be reused over and over like templates and things like that. If they break, I know exactly where they are. Cause there's only like three moving parts, nothing, you know, really ordinate. Whereas like someone who's like a true admin, they can keep like, like I can't multitask for dog crap, right? I hate it. I hate the feeling. I hate all that stuff. And like for a long, it's funny you mentioned this as far as the labeling thing, because as you were saying all that stuff, I'm like, shit, I do that. Like I do that about the things that I don't like about myself. And and you're right. It becomes like this nebulous piece of code that's like off floating there and somewhere. And you're like, I feel the like way I, I like it. I, lo- I love science and I love space. And my, my dad's an aerospace engineer. So I've always had a love of space and stars and the universe and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I liken it to like gravity. I can feel the gravity of something, but I'm like, I don't know that it's gravity, but I feel it. Like you can't look at gravity. You can't point at gravity. It's just there. And you're like, if you're in opposition to gravity, you will die. Like if you jump off a building, you're not going to fly. You're going to go splat, you know, as morbid as that is, uh, you know, gravity always wins. And I, and I kind of think of like, as I was, as I was listening, you say that with the labeling, I'm just like, well, no wonder someone couldn't you know they would feel stuck because yes. if you've identified with yes. the thing you know rather than seeing yeah. it as like like a piece of code like like oh i i write i run this command on this website and this little like icon shows up on my web page but if i take away that code that icon goes away but i can't get rid of that icon unless i get rid of that code underlying that puts the code there uh, the icon there in the first place it's it's almost like would you say it's a lot? Is it is it more linear like that than something like? Because I, I I love personal development work, but one of the things that pisses me off to high heaven, uh, part of my language, but it pisses me off to no end, is everyone uses these nebulous terms, and it's almost like they take something that should be simple and they purposely make it complex instead of it being like. Like, you know, and it's a lot of the raw, raw type stuff. I'm not a raw, raw kind of guy. Like I want a good life. Like I don't need any motivation to want to go something. So if there's an obstacle in the way, I'm like, how do I extract this code? I, I, you know, it's funny you, you're using this. I've never heard anyone say this before, but it's like, I extract out that piece of code and try to find it in Brad OS. Like, let me yes. go Brad 14.0, <laughs> you know, it, terminology. Yeah, it, it. that's truly what it's like. Yeah, it, it's it, it blows my mind because I've never heard anyone use those Brad OS terms. Like my friends all make fun of me about this, you know. But I'm like, it's the way I think. Like it's just me. I can't I can't change who I am. Like and and right from 30 to 35 now, that's the thing I've been saying. I'm like, dude, like what if instead of like trying to add all this shit, you just got rid? Like you kind of got rid of stuff and like stuff that doesn't like work or you don't enjoy. And like you say, like that's why I love this podcast. I mean, recording with you right now is the highlight of my day from an energy perspective. It's it's got me jazzed because I'm like I I'm so damn curious. It's like I'm a detective. Yeah. Um, and I was speaking to one of my guests, uh, you know, yesterday, and he was like, dude, like you're really good at this stuff. I mean, you you're able to do this and that. And I'm like I'm like, yeah, but like. I'm so stinking curious because everyone else, it's like, they, I don't want to say they have cooler lives than I do, but they've had a lot more drama and like energy in their life than I have. Like I've had a pretty simple, straightforward life. No, not too many huge traumas, but like other people, I'm like, man, like, how did you get here? And then I want to know. So it's like, anyways, I don't mean to go on a tangent there, but it's, that's part of Brad OS. And it's just, it's funny that you say that. So, you know, taking this back, cause I want to make this about the listeners. Um, how can someone get in touch with you? I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm not making this a sales pitch, but it's pretty damn hard not to be when, like, <laughs> what you do is this freaking cool. Um, so how can someone get in touch with you or, or you know, if they're really digging what you're saying, um, how can they, you know, 
fill out a form or, or, or reach out to you or something like that uh, to, to start this process if it seems like something that they are, are digging? Sure. So if anybody's on Facebook, uh, it's really easy to follow me. I think I'm still the only Aaron file, um, I think, on Facebook. But you can look me up there and just scroll through like years worth of posts and case studies and screenshots of what clients say and my own personal uh, exploration. And there's a lot of content just on my personal Facebook page. Tons to look at there. Um, So that would be an option. For people who are looking for specific case studies or maybe a free training, or they really want to see, like, show me, like, really show me these results that you're talking about, I would say the best bet would be to go to our website, which is mindfixgroup.com. Okay. I think you had mentioned Mindfix. We actually don't own mindfix.com, but it's mindfixgroup.com. Awesome. And I would... Yeah, definitely invite people to go straight to the results page. Um, There's a lot of videos up top, but if you're not a video person like me, keep scrolling past them. Down below the videos, you'll see just uh, screenshots of what real clients have said about their experiences uh, during and after the program to get a really quick sense of what is possible for normal human beings. Like a a lot of what we think is not possible that that page shows otherwise. So the website would be that's so cool. a, a rich resource to, to go straight to. Um, and, and that's mindfixgroup.com? Exactly. Yep. That would be the same. Awesome. That's, that's wonderful. So, you know, before we go, I, I, I'd like, I'd like to, to ask you just one more thing um, because I think this is really impressive. You know, if someone's on the fence because, you, you know, you, you've, you've shared, you know, and I, I don't feel bad saying this because you've shared this on Facebook quite a bit, but you, you know, you've had your own struggles along the way. And, you know, if someone's listening to this right now, because obviously we're, some of the stuff we're talking about, I can imagine might I don't want to say necessarily trigger somebody, but I don't have a better way of putting it. Like it can, it can bring up some, some crap for people and, you know, kind of just put them on the decision of like, do I need to make this change or not? Um, I want to take away all the the stigma um, around um, mindset stuff because I think one of the biggest problems in our world right now, in my opinion, is everybody's like talking about personal empowerment. Um, but I think a lot of times they're just th- dusting all the dusting all the shit under the rug is is what I see it as. Yeah. It's not really empowering. It's actually setting someone up for failure when you're all into the rah rah bandwagon kind of stuff, and then it ends up failing. So taking this back, real simple. How would someone who maybe is feeling like, oh, like not again, I don't want to deal with this anymore and they want to push it back under, what would you, what would you say to that person as, as actually someone who's experienced a lot of the shit that you help people deal with? How would you help them just to say, take a chance on themselves? Like not necessarily like, you know, maybe they can't afford to work with you yet. I don't know. But like, I, I do believe everybody has an inner genius that they want to share with the world. And they're, we're all inherently valuable by divine nature. I, I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, from a faith point of view. So how would someone take that first step to just say, you know what, this is possible that I don't need to stay in the hole. I, I'm not bad. But like, you know, you shared about the labels and stuff like that. But like from a from a core operating system, how would you help that person if they, let's say, didn't have the money to work with you uh, or couldn't afford it yet? How would you help that person? Well, I'll speak to kind of the different types of groups out there, because there are some people that would we have plenty of people who can't afford to work with us. We have a fellow who has half a million dollars in debt. That's someone who can't afford to work with us. He found he borrowed it. Um, within three months of finishing, instead of going into more debt, because he was on his way to a million in debt, he had turned it around and then had almost all of his debt paid off. Um, so mm. the whole, like, I can't afford, wow. like, a lot of people are realizing I really can't afford not change it. It's really costing so much of my life, of my time, of my energy. And so I love that. I, I do want to challenge, though, just because you don't have it in, in the bank account right now. Um, if it is something that is continually costing you life or relationships or time, money, um, that's a that's a, a question that you might want to explore further. And and because it's a wonderful question. Yeah, because this might feel like such a risk. We've 
reverse engineered everything here. We kind of, again, instead of additive and subtractive, we try to turn everything upside down and do things, do business in a very different way. And so what we do is we take on all the risk of anybody saying, I'm gonna, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna invest in myself. We have a not only do we have a like a hundred percent money back guarantee if it doesn't work for someone, we also have a free uh, risk-free trial. So it's like if this doesn't work for you, there's no risk. Like there's right. no risk. Like we take the risk on, and it's our job to make sure that the people we work with are going to be a good fit. So that is something I do want to share. And then for the other people who maybe can't afford, like truly can't, or there's there's other things on and they're not sure they're not ready i simply invite people to start looking to this different way of thinking like stop with the additives stop adding more tools stop adding more practices because I, I remember the day when i was suicidal and i looked at my to-do list and i was like okay i gotta do my mobility workout my stretching i have to do my cardio my strength my i have to do my breathing exercises do my meditation i'm supposed to do these like something something reps I have to do my gratitude journal. I have to do my stream of consciousness journaling. I, and it was just like, I looked at this list of all these things that were supposed to be like five minute, you know, five minute, like 20 minute things to do. And it's just like, you don't need to do more. Mm. Just don't need to do more. So many of, of us out there have everything we need. It's more about asking the question, what could I remove from my life, from my mindset? From my life's experience that's actually going to and um no matter what your financial situation you can still go to our website you can still watch this that walks people through how this whole concept of root causes turning your thinking upside down and understanding that there is a root cause to why you are that you are um that mm. alone can just shift people and give them a, a boost of hope that can change change their life I love that so much. I'm so glad you shared that because um, I'm I'm actually going to watch that this evening because that cool. sounds really interesting. I I I'm obsessed with this stuff because as soon as I got into that, you know, it it, it, it and it really I, I'm I'm so glad you we we got the chance to talk about this you know additive like the old way and the additive sense versus the subtractive way because that that tells me like Brad OS I'm talking about my 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 core brain way of looking at the world. I, I'm very distrustful of people who are always in that additive mode. And I, I, I've always said, I'm like, I don't know why I'm so skeptical of this person, but it, I'm like, it just feels so hard and not hard as in like, it takes a lot of effort and consistency and discipline and all that kind of stuff. I mean, everything, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are like that. You know, you've got to invest in your relationships or they, they wither and die, you know, like that's normal life. But like, you know, that feeling of pushing boulders up a hill yes. that I think, and, and it's like, you're like, man, if I just keep pushing this thing up, but if I stop, it's going to roll back over on top of me and I'm going to have to, I'm going to get crushed and then I have to start all over again. And I love that your work is really just like, it's not about like solving that bolt. Like, how do I push the boulder up a hill? It's like saying, what if you just don't even need to push the boulder up at all? Oh my God. We and literally, that, we literally worked with like so, a messaging specialist and you were saying his exact words. It was like the whole Sisyphus, right? Like that was the, the tool. Yeah. Sisyphus pushed the boulder it's, up. And he's like, all of these programs out there make you stronger or make the boulder a bit smaller. What if you just yes. get rid of the boulder? It was your yeah. exact I mean, words. And it, it, it's really, that's how I see it. I mean, it, and, it, it, and, and it's something that like, you know, like the nerdy marketing guy in me is thinking like, how can we create like a micro experience for somebody where this would be like a catalyst to say, you know, cause I, I love the concept of, you know, um, I watch videos all the time. It's one of my nerdy things, those domino runs where people make like those huge yeah. giant ornate domino. I think that shit's so cool. Like same with the Rube Goldberg devices. I'm like a nerd where I'm like, I'll be bored and waiting for Christina to put our son down and I'll just sit there and pop, pop him on YouTube. And I just like, I get fascinated like a boy you know, just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I could never do this, but like, this is amazing. Somebody thought this up in their mind and designed this. And I kind of think that like with your stuff, that's the neatest thing is it's like once someone understands the power of a subtractive, just avoid the problem altogether. It almost seems like it's too easy. Yeah. And yet a lot of times in life, it really is just that easy, you know? 
And I think that's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation because, um, yeah, I, you got a fan in me. So I, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. So thanks for thanks for joining me uh, to record this because I think I think this is really going to help a lot of people, especially in that whole that that whole entrepreneurial hustle and grind. I mean, you're really the antithesis of that because that's the ultimate additive system where people are like, oh, if I just work harder, if I just grind harder, if I just add one more tool to my belt, that I'll finally make it. And I think everybody eventually, hopefully, realizes that that's a mirage. You know, like you're it's like chasing the horizon. You're never going to get there. You know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and uh, joining me today. And uh, everybody, if you if you want to check Aaron out, uh, mindfixgroup.com. This is I, I this is believe. I mean, I can't. I mean, I I want to be like you know the infomercial pitch man now. I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's so crazy. So I love it. So thanks for joining me. All right. You've been listening to the Office Free Entrepreneurs Podcast. For show notes, extras, and to get the Million Dollar Backpack book where we give you the blueprint to escape your office, visit escapeyouroffice.com. 